my dwellers, and welcome back to Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library! Yay! We are back after what feels like ages. Pretty certain it's been almost a month. I am Jeff, (laughs) one of your two awesome co-hosts, and joining me whistling, as always, the whistler himself, the Mm. man of a thousand voices... PC do it. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. I, I don't know if a thousand is the the right uh, number. Uh, I'm pretty on how sure. Many voices I do, well, give uh, or take nine hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. So okay. I'll go with that. I'm okay uh, with that as well. Then so yeah, that's, yeah. that's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, TC, we're back. <laughs> we are Isn't back. Fantastic. I've returned from my European adventure. You've returned from vacationing up north. Yes. We are refreshed. We have no delay right now. I know, and it's so exciting. We did our normal test right before the episode started, and this is like no delay, first time in ages, so we just immediately got into the episode. Yeah, I'm I am my I'm recording. That's important. That's always key. It did not take us 45 minutes to start the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's it's I'm excited to be back. It was it was odd realizing that the two weeks turned into three because I, I came back last Monday and mm-hmm. there was no way I was going to be a functioning human being <laughs> after the nine hour flight I took to get back home. And, so. and you know what? And with it, or so last week, Monday was for those of you who are not listening to this at the time that it came out last week, Monday was Memorial Day weekend here in the States. So like I was still gone kind of on vacation and I wasn't really even in the right frame of mind. Obviously, my vacation wasn't nearly as long and as tiresome <laughs> as TC's was. <laughs> and and as, as exciting. As exciting. Let's state that, too, because it. I saw the pictures. It looked exciting. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, Candace and I tempt, uh, tried out live streaming, which which Facebook allows. You have the opportunity to to stream live to your page. So it was fun to to check in with our families like intermittently throughout the trip. So it was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> We're still but, alive. Yeah, still alive. Yeah. Still alive. Still here. Uh, but See, I'd be worried that if I went to Europe, it would totally be European vacation, National Lampoon's <laughs> European vacation. It wouldn't be Euro trip. It'd be Mm-mm. European vacation. Yeah. Uh, would, you'll brush your teeth in a in a in a chamber pot. Exactly. I would somehow knock down Stonehenge. Uh, <laughs> I would, however, hopefully be rusty, uh, as in the character rusty, <laughs> and end up making out with a very beautiful Swedish girl. Who yes. To, yeah, that's what my hope would be. You know, I, I'm, I, I have this. This is nothing to do with Disney, but, but actually, maybe it does in a small part, and we can segue into it because I don't know. You'll, we'll find a way. I have this belief that aside from Austin Powers two, there are no good comedy sequels. Like every movie that is inherently just a comedy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the sequels fall very short by comparison. Right. And for for a time I was saying like, oh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is better than Vacation. Uh, turns out that one's the third one. That's the third one, Because yeah. European Vacation is the second <laughs> one, uh, which I haven't seen in years. So so I, I usually make that the two exceptions. The Lam- National Lampoon's, the original, we'll call it a trilogy, mm-hmm. and Austin Powers 2 in terms of being funnier than the original. Other than that, somebody please tell me if there is any comedy sequel out there that is as good as the original, yeah. because I, I defy you. I say there isn't. You'll usually get like, well, there was a couple good jokes in the second one, but otherwise yeah. it was usually a rehash of, of the first, the first yeah. one. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. just a rehash, or it's a rehash of the same gags, and just, yeah, it's never fun. It's I never just, fun. I, I, I just think that there are some movies 
that just shouldn't get sequels. Right. That's that's why I appreciate Edgar Wright and his tone his tonal sequels or his spiritual sequels. He doesn't make Shaun of the Dead 2, he makes Hot Fuzz, right? right? For the Cornetto trilogy, which Jeff has some amazing posters, everybody. If you have not Aww. seen these, they're very, very good. Um, Edgar Wright liked them. Yeah, Edgar Wright himself, the yeah, man. The man who made them. He liked them, so I'll take that as a win in my life. I have a I have a small chalkboard of wins. It's mm-hmm. about five right now. It's not it's not a lot, but it's five. Well, one of my wins is the voice of Yakko Warner liking my my sequel prequel song that I that I use the karaoke track for um, the yes. nations of the world from Animaniacs for <laughs> yes, <laughs> getting a like from him, I was like, "This is amazing! This is, this is everything I ever hoped for." <laughs> these are all good likes to have. Yeah, but unfortunately, but, none of these likes have to do with anything with our film today. But hey, well, I'll segue for you. Some okay, movies yes. shouldn't have sequels, such as One Hundred and One Dalmatians. There's no reason to make a sequel called One Hundred and Two Dalmatians. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I completely forgot because because while watching this movie uh, yesterday, I was doing my usual like I look up notes and kind of mm-hmm. just history about it because I like to know in case there's anything cool that I wanted to bring up on the podcast yeah and I I remembered the live action movie being made mm-hmm. I could not tell you when it was made yeah as of you know when I found it until I'm like oh it was it's like 98 or 96 or something like that somewhere in there yep yeah but I'm like oh okay oh that's right yeah Glenn Close was Cruella oh I okay I do remember that um, Hugh Laurie was one of the two That's bad right. guys. Wow, I completely forgot that. Yep, yep. And then while doing while looking at that, I'm like, there, 102. I completely just <laughs> erased there being 102 Dalmatians from my head. I had yeah. no memory of that even existing. There, there. Disney just has this really this tradition of just milking the cow, right? Yep. Of just cashing in on name recognition, on making these unnecessary sequels as cash grabs. Yep. Uh, so for those of you who may just be jumping in onto the podcast now, what we are doing here is the Disney Animation Studios Library. We are watching one movie at a time, week by week, the entire Disney Animation Studios canonical la- library, which started with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, and has caught us up to 101 Dalmatians and goes all the way to most recently with Moana. Yes. Now, there are a specific 50-plus movies on this list, and there's a whole bunch that people love that are not part of this list. Correct. Because they were not distributed by Disney or animated by the Walt Disney Animation Studios. Right. So, goof, uh, the Goofy movie, love that movie. I love not that on movie. the list. Right. Brave Little Toaster. Disney oh. purchased that film. They didn't even animate it. Uh, there, there are so many n- movies that aren't on this list. None of the straight-to-DVD sequels are on this list. Correct. Pic- Pixar doesn't count. That's a different studio. Studio Ghibli is obviously Miyazaki from Japan that the people have, that Disney purchased. So you, you, you are getting just the 55-plus at the time. There'll probably be another one by the time we finish this. <laughs> well, if we keep taking months off at a time, <laughs> it'll totally be more out there by the time we're... No. Yeah, and it's it's so far it's been a it's been a blast kind of blowing through these, and I've 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 recently talked to a couple of new people who have started listening to it, who actually listened to the most recent episode uh, where they started this. I think they started on Lady and the Tramp, mm-hmm. I, I recall, and then went back all the way to the beginning. Oh, thank you, <laughs> and thank then you. listened. So, they, but then went backwards. So they were listening in the wrong order, I guess. <laughs> spoilers, <laughs> then, yeah, spoilers, um, especially because we make jokes about stuff that happened in previous episodes. That kind of is a weird memento esque hey, approach. I'm, just, uh, to our I'm show. glad they're enjoying it. If they're willing to go back like that, 
Oh yes, and uh, they've said that they that we have become a part of their life. Oh, all right. I'm so well, happy about that. We we do appreciate the listens and the likes and the comments, and we we do try to engage uh, in the comments section for the Facebook page as well as Twitter, and uh, we we will do three or four comments, uh, two two three or four comments at the end of the of each episode. And um, yeah, so t- today, what are we watching, Jeff? Or what did we watch? Well, today we are going to be talking about the 1961 version of 101 Dalmatians. Do you know how many spots that is in this movie? Somebody counted. I thought I read that somebody had actually. I did. I saw through. 6,469,952 dots. Somebody oh. went through frame by frame and counted. You know. <laughs> Sometimes drugs are responsible for the most amazing things. Pink Floyd and the Wizard of Oz. Yep. yep. Somebody counting how many spots were in the 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, don't 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 for one second think that was a decision made by someone sober. No, that was that was a that was either a stoned or drunk individual who went I want I wonder how how many spots. I'm gonna count, I'm gonna count the spots here. I, totally you know, I, right out of the gate, I wanna say that that is a credit to the animators because they had to hand draw animate every single frame of this movie with individual spots on every one of these dogs what were they thinking (laughs) in 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 an era before computers that would have easily that would have made that such a simpler task even if you wanted to to look like a 2d you know flat 2d uh a drawing which is this is stuff that we will hit eventually once we get into what is it like the mid 80s movies and the later Mm -hmm. when they started using computers to do like to do the vehicles, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, there's a, this was the beginning of the Xerox era for, for Disney, which saved them a hell of a lot of money because Sleeping Beauty, the movie we watched before this, was a huge flop. Yeah. And they needed a win. So part of the win came from the cheaper style of duplication of the frames that they used uh, the Xerox machines for. Which is so crazy to think, like this, so yeah, that that like Sleeping Beauty was such a flop. Again, I'm still in this mind in this mindset of I can't imagine Disney movies tanking. Right. You know, it's it is it is a weird concept to go back. That, that's one of the fun things of this podcast is we're we're experiencing the history of animation, the history of of the studio of dis of Disney themselves to think that. This movie was. If this movie hadn't been even remotely successful, they would have shut down. This would have been it. This would have been the last Disney animation film under Walt Disney's reign, right? Uh, when he was alive, because they were. Because they were at this point, they had the parks. Uh, they had the park. They at least had uh, Disneyland open by the, mm-hmm. by now, you know. And they were doing the TV shows. They'd already gotten into live action movies, so they were. It was one of those where, well, if this flops. Yeah, let's just shut everything down and focus on the other things that are more lucrative for mm-hmm. the company at this point. We don't need to keep making you know animated films. We could do other things. Things are better now uh, yeah. than they would have been like when they obviously did Snow White and they didn't have that option. To- <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy because Disney. I feel more probably more for our era, but I think in general they are synonymous with animation. Mm-hmm. When people see an animated movie, they just assume it's Disney. Yeah, even even to this day, it's like, oh, that's Disney. Like there's a great uh, meme I may have mentioned on the cast before where it's um, uh, uh, a a cinephile, a a lover of cinema knows, and it's a list, Disney, Studio Ghibli, Pixar, DreamWorks, Fox, Universal, it's all the animation studios. And then it says everyone else and just says 
Disney. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, because yeah, Disney has become such a part of the culture. It is, you can't, you, and again, this is where I struggle. You can't imagine a world where Disney does not make animated films. Yeah. You know, CG I, or not. I, I don't want to live in that world. I don't either because you know, it's In a world a without Disney animated movies, <laughs> in, a, in a world where Zune was a thing. Oh, no. Not a Zune pod or Zune cast. <laughs> Zune cast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's such. it's so weird to think that and to think that like this is the movie, this is the point where they had had so many flops, not necessarily in a row, but just continuously like, oh, Another freaking flop again. Where you know we 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 can't make a good successful film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that they were at the like this was kind of the almost the breaking point of well if this one ends screw it we're done like we can't keep going we're 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 done we'll just go out, go elsewhere to think that this is the movie that, that <laughs> so so spoiler this is not the movie that caused him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well let's 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 get into the movie here we've we've been we kind of jumping all over the place here but what's like how did you feel about this movie to to think that this was the make or break of Walt Disney Studios <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because even with like the changing of the 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 animation style because this one has its kind of its own unique look it's sloppier yeah it's sloppier I, I, I made a nice note about that for the the backgrounds really jumped out at me because when you look at sleeping beauty which which has its own distinct look as well. I think it was uh, someone in the comments mentioned that it has a very storybook feel to it. Absolutely mm-hmm. agree. And, and we discussed the very angular trees and the much more cut out look that the right. animation style had. We with 101 Dalmatians, we've entered this very sloppy era, and I don't mean that in like a, an offensive way because I actually like like it. The backgrounds, it the backgrounds, the color doesn't stay within the lines. It has a much more Sloppy looks, yeah, hand, yeah. Hand yeah, colored, hand drawn, not hand drawn, but hand colored uh, 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 feel to it. Uh, the, the craziest thing that I noticed right off the bat was like that you could see that they were obviously cutting corners for this film because it's not the super widescreen that the last couple films have been either. Right? Yeah, yeah. They, it was more of the. It's basically full frame yep. almost. <laughs> like that's how they made the movie. Cinderella, or sorry, uh, Sleeping Beauty was two fifty five, but. Excuse me, two uh, two fifty five to one wide, so wide, super wide, wide, wide screen. Yeah. This Tarantino is, wide. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is full frame. It's well, sorry, it was Academy aspect ratio is technically what it was, but it's mm-hmm. it's full frame. So, like already, just the, the 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 technical side of it is completely different. Let alone how it looks or how it feels. But all that aside, it was a really good movie. I yeah. Just, okay. Good. I, I was curious to see where you're going to fall on this because it, it in it's been many years since I've seen it, oh, and yeah. in watching it, I I found it's it's got a charm right away from, from it's, that opening sequence is so Pixar esque with that jazz number playing. Oh, and I made like, a note of that. I yeah. loved that opening. I'm like, this is not a. This isn't a. This isn't a Disney movie like we've been watching for no, the last no. the, couple of the, months. This was the best opening of any of these films we've seen yet. They, yes. I was I was engaged right away. I loved the pop and jazz and the and again it says that it's such a Pixar feel. It feels very uh, Monsters Inc. Yes. And it's in the animation just jumping all over the place and it has a character right out of the gate that isn't the storybook pages that we've seen in some of the other um, uh, features. Um, but it's. It's so charming, and and I love that it's not a standard plot because 
when you look at Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and Snow White, they follow a very structured once upon a time plot right. to it. And, uh, um, Oh geez, uh, what else we had down here? Like Lady, Lady and the Tramp. Uh, one of the things that that really won me over with that is that it's more of a non traditional plot as well. I think 101 Dalmatians is even more non traditional. Yeah, because it, it kind of and this is what I was trying to like follow, and I, I it, it threw me for a loop for a minute until I realized I'm like, oh, this still totally works. Like it, it, it definitely has sections of the movie because you have all about you know pongo meeting uh i'm spacing on the the girls the other per, girl dog perdita perdita, perdita. Yeah. You so have, roger and anita are his, are their pets that's right and you have pongo and perdita you have like that that section is just their meeting and then up until them having the dalmatians mm-hmm. and then it kind of and then the dalmatians get kidnapped and then it goes away from them for a while you know, to focus on the other animals out and about and where the Dalmatians are and finding the Dalmatians with not those two characters. I feel like, I feel like a a Disney movie, I mean, you could even argue a Disney movie up until, you know, the last 20 years maybe, or like even a traditional story Mm -hmm. would have had Pongo be the one going, I'm going to go find our kids and him taking off. Yeah. It's, it, it's, by doing that, and something that I'm really tipping my hat to for this script is that it it built this it world built it mm-hmm. world built really really well by having the the midnight how uh, midnight bark the uh, the barking chain like right. from going from this from London proper out into the way out into the city to all these different types of dogs all these different characterizations of these of these pets and, or of these dogs and their human pets i guess <laughs> it's it really filled the world out and it felt for for really as as simple as this plot is dog meets dog boy meets girl dog has puppies puppies are kidnapped save the puppies the end <laughs> right yeah very basic very simple plot but that doesn't hurt it whatsoever mm-hmm. it's because, because of the, how they approached it yeah and and the and the characterizations of of every speaking part in this movie, uh, well, you know what? I strike that. I, f- I feel like I'll get criticism for saying such, because the puppies themselves, there are limited personalities within the. <laughs> Man, if someone could come up with ninety nine personalities for puppies, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but come on, only only six of those puppies get names. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but one of them every, barely says anything. It's just Lucky because he's got a horseshoe on the back of his body. <laughs> I in his think spots. Well, I think Lucky's the one that. That was brought back to life. That's why I would name That's I would true. name the dog that nearly died Lucky. Yeah. Oh man, I did. I had no idea that was happening. I don't. I did not remember that ever happening in this film. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they killed one of the dogs <laughs> already. Wait a minute. Why is this so sad? Like, <laughs> there there's a couple moments where I'm like, okay, it's a movie. But like, first of all, bringing the puppy back to life. I'm like, is that possible? It is possible. It is possible. It's based on an actual moment in the in the writer of the book's life, and then uh, fifteen puppies. Do, do is that really? A th- I don't. I'm not a dog guy. I never owned a dog. Mm-hmm. I only have had friends who had dogs. Do dogs really have fifteen puppies? Yes. The this book, the book that the movie's based on, is based on a on a pair of Dalmatians who had fifteen puppies. It's like it's like wow. It feels so. And that's the thing is a lot of that stuff feels so magical and kind of over the top and kind of fantasiful fan mm-hmm. fa- fantastical there you go fantastical uh i think i was trying to say fantasy um <laughs> jeff likes to make up words it's if cool you've it's listened cool. to 17 episodes you know this twitter pate uh, twitter pate is a great word that we didn't make up uh, 
<laughs> I'm really sad about that. <laughs> but uh, but no, like it, a lot of those elements too, they feel so kind of just over the top and ridiculous. But it's it's kind of cool to see that they are real, that they are things that have happened and is possible mm-hmm. because it it grounds the movie even more. Because because just the thing of like, okay, so obviously we're and I'm jumping way ahead, but <laughs> but uh, Pongo Perdita do go out and find the the dalmatians right they they travel the countryside to rescue their pups right and it's obviously a long long distance they go and even that part feels like oh that would never happen but there are so many documented cases <laughs> yes. of animals running clear homeward bound is like an actual tr- almost like a true story basically yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, you want to <laughs> you want to cry watch and, and <sighs> happy tears just go online and google uh pet stories of like traveling distances to find their masters. Yeah. I don't know how that's even remotely possible. But. I don't either. <laughs> it boggles my mind. It's like this this dog ran across three states and found his master yeah. with, within a month. Like how do you how 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 do they know where to go? <laughs> I don't know. It's those it's those they have the barking chain. <laughs> Cuz honestly TC, if I was separated from my, you know, like uh like a like a like a like a lover or something like that and I was like four states away and I had no idea where they were at that's it I'm done I have no yeah. clue how to find them if she's not posting on Twitter where she is she'll I, never find her I'm never gonna find her I am I am less than a dog at this point is what I'm saying <laughs> well you know what the there is in 101 Dalmatians as we watched it the and I, I mentioned the characterization of the of, of the characters right of Roger of Anita but mm-hmm. of the animals themselves being the the focal point characters the protagonist P- Pongo's the protagonist it's his it's his story to tell yeah. and yes Perdita is underdeveloped if we're if we're really going to start getting nitpicky on that and even even so Anita is underdeveloped in a fashion I have notes about that we'll get to it <laughs> but I the by making them the center the central characters Different than Lady and the Tramp, because Lady and the Tramp, the humans are, are practically non-characters. Roger, right. Anita, Cruella, Horace, and Jasper are all people. And the other dog owners you see, they are they are realized people, but there is power in the characterization of Pongo and the other animals. I mean, hell, Disney went so far as casting actors and actresses with deeper timbers in their voices to voice the animals to subconsciously show how much more power they have in the story than right. the humans who have lower register voices. That's amazing. Like the fact that Pongo right off the bat calls Roger his pet. His pet, yeah. Like Roger's <laughs> his pet. Like oh, I got to find a I got to find a lover for my pet. Like Well, <laughs> let's be honest. If anyone has a pet, we feed them, we we bend over backwards to give them all the amenities they need and what do they give us other than their affections? We're not the masters. Exactly. They're the, ma- they're the masters. <laughs> that is a good point. We mm. are definitely not the ones in charge of the situation. <laughs> because we're the ones that be like, I have to go home to take care of my animal. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I can't go out of town. I have 3 cats. What am I going to do with them? Will you watch my cats? <laughs> I can't leave him to be on his own. How cruel would that be? And, and and sure, the dogs are are anthropomorphic, but they feel so dog-like. All the animals, well, the dogs specifically. This is a dog's movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of the animation techniques and just how they move and how they they portray emotions is so well done. It feel it, surely they had Dalmatians walking around the studio as they animated to them. Yes. There's no doubt in my mind that they were doing that. Yep. And and they yeah, cuz again, they they 
they looked and they felt real. They they felt just as good as definitely just as good as the, the animals from Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, oh yep, that's even though they are still kind of characterized and still, you know, they have uh, they don't even I, they're not even anthropomorphic. They're very much so dogs. True, um, yeah. They, they they don't have any the only human cat qualities they have is the ability to speak. Right. Uh but like even their eyes weren't crazy over the top. They kind of mm-hmm. still felt more realistic. It was just, it was, they had to. They had to have had animals running around, yeah. uh, running around the place mm-hmm. just just because, just because. Oh, and speaking of Lady and the Tramp, yeah. I wanted to bring this up and I'm kind of connecting it in. Did you see their cameo in the movie? I, I saw Jacques. I saw um, the, the dog pound dog. So there's the big bulldog who had the sloppy voice. And then right. the, um, he's a tramp. I saw Trixie. I saw her in there. Yep. Um, I didn't see Lady and Tramp. I might, I might have blinked and I missed it. It was. It was. Li- I, I, st- I thought I saw it. I paused it. I rewound it. And I watched it again. She's on frame for, like, I swear, maybe, maybe a second. All right. And it that's was, a, yeah, that's so when, it's when the the dogs are all starting to really, really bark and bark and bark and bark. And there's it cuts out to this wide shot of the mm-hmm. city. Right before it cuts out to this wide shot, Lady hops into frame with her back to the camera oh. and barks in the direction of where like all the other ones are barking. But it is Lady. And I believe the tramp is somewhere. So therein lies the question, there. is is it Lady and Tramp and Trixie and all of them and, and Lady and the Tramp took place in London? Because or is it just the same breed and honestly the same animation template? <laughs> but, exactly. It's very possible that it could be uh, you know, just the same breed because they obviously went through so many uh so many dogs through this movie that yeah, it's like, yeah. well, we're gonna have to pull from what we know of <laughs> or well, what there are mentioning the the slappy style uh, the more economical style of this film there's a hell of a lot of reused footage like yeah. full on like roger when he's trying to light his pipe and pongo pulls him out the door they use that piece of animation twice where he loses the pipe and lots and lots and lots of reusing of the cycles of the 99 puppies <laughs> running their butts off so that's a uh, that that surely was noticeable however there was a nice technique in when they were using big cycles over and over again, yep. somewhere on the frame was something to distract you from noticing the the recycled footage. So like, like something while, non-recycled, something different. Yeah, yeah. Like whether it's um, uh, uh, Sergeant Tibbs doing something, like waving his hands to be like, "Come on, pups!" And he's original animation while the cycle is running through the hole in the wall. There's there's a few moments of that which I thought was was a clever technique to to mask the not it's not lazy it's just right. economical <laughs> like, like they realized they're like well that like they they knew they saw that this was a looping animation that they're showing over and over again and mm-hmm. they knew they had to find a way to distract you from it yeah so it's a, it's a, that was a clever technique and definitely. um uh the the sound design and the score of this movie is up there in one of the of some of the best we've seen from these Disney animated animated features. Yes. Cause we've, we've seen some that have weird like drops in audio or uh, the, the orchestration isn't, doesn't have motifs and isn't realized enough. And I feel like this one really, they only had one composer. So I think that helped Mm because it was the Sherman brothers did a lot of the music for Disney of this era. And they even wrote five songs for this movie that aren't in it. Uh, There's, that's a good point. Like I just realized, I'm like there wasn't a lot of songs in this film. Yeah, if, it was... if I'm counting correctly, there's only two. 
Because it's Cruella Deville. Yeah. And, and the, what's the, the other o- one? The opening song in the oh, opening yeah. credits. <laughs> or, or you know what? I, we might have to go two and a half because the Dalmatian plantation that ends the movie. Is, so okay. So that two songs. If you don't count the opening credits jazz number, there are two songs like with actual lyrics in in this movie, and that's that, that's got to be the lowest number. I, I I would wager a guess that that's the lowest of all the Disney animated films. Yeah, because it's so you're, like even uh, up to this point, there's a ton more songs in it, and I feel like I I can't speak for the next handful of movies because again we're hitting that era of ones that I don't know at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I know once you hit back into the you know late '80s, we're back into the whole here's an entire soundtrack worth of songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the the Disney as we know it now, the the '90s Renaissance style. It's I actually have a tweet about that later that I'll bring up about about the music. Hmm. Um, Fantastic. So <laughs> I look forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Uh, do you, what other notes do you have there, Jeff? So, like, I, I want to kind of briefly talk because we always talk about the bad guy in the film. Ah, one of the classic of classics. Please continue. And Cruella is such a a fascinating. It's a it, she's a fascinating bad guy, I should say, because <laughs> it's she's not entirely like the bad guys we've had in the past, but at the same time has a lot of the similarities. Yeah. To she, them. My yeah. mom always says Cruella DeVille's the, the worst Disney villain of all time because she was willing to skin puppies for a coat. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not about like, it's not about like ta- like ruling a kingdom or, mm-hmm. you know, she's prettier than I am. Get rid of her. I guess that's technically like the same film. Um, and even, even the, the steps, the stepmothers in Cinderella or yeah. And Cinderella were just like, I hate you. You're annoying. You're not our sister. And the stepmother being like, you're not my real daughter. I don't care. You just, you're a slave. You're not going to go away from us. It's still, it's still that Cruella de Vil, Yeah. She wants yeah. To kill animals. She wants to kill puppies. Not even like adult dogs. Cruel devil. Puppies, yes. I love Jeff, that her name is Cruel Devil. Her name is Devil. Oh my God, I didn't. Is I mean, she? I just, is no, no, it's not. There's nothing, nothing supernatural in this movie. <laughs> so I, I, do, I do like her as a character because she's kind of fun. What's nice about her is that she's not, she's not in giant chunks of this movie. No, no, she, she comes in like a hurricane. She, she is the 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 reason the plot unfolds of this film but and then she kind of goes away (laughs) she's 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 very much the reason this movie is as memorable as it is as much as we were just praising the uh, the characterization of the dogs and the animation uh, the score whatever little details we've said the real reason 101 dalmatians is what it is is because of cruella Deville. yep it's because she's such a memorable character, and I was gonna—I was trying to figure out why. What is it about her that is so memorable? If it is, you know, is it just because of uh, of her actions, what she wants to do, the fact that she wants to kill the dogs? Like, is that it? Because oh, that's it—that's all she has in her head—is wanting to have what a hundred or so, or a hundred more dogs to kill to make a, <laughs> to make a coat out of it. Jeez, um, like coats. She plural. She had coats. plans. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's funny. I wrote this down of how memorable a villain she is, but I didn't really think about like why. why. Right? It's she's just the voice acting, the the design on her. She's hideous. Like, oh, by the way, is she the descendant of Esma from 
from or Isma from from uh, Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, yeah, because they have a very similar look to each other. Because <laughs> it's like it's like she's got like the same like bone and body structure. She's yeah, kind of yeah, thin and gangly, and her face and and it yeah. was funny. I did make one note. Somebody made a comment in the film that Cruella was Anita's schoolmate. Yes, yes, they 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 were classmates. Anita said it that they were classmates um, when growing up. They're the same age. Yeah, because <laughs> Corella looks like she's at least twenty five years older than Anita. She's a heavy smoker, man. And that's what that's what drug <laughs> that's what smoking does to you, kids. Yeah. Lesson right there. Yeah, that is our PSA for the day. <laughs> Don't smoke too much. You'll look or at all. Don't smoke at all. You're gonna yeah. look like Corella Deville. You're gonna you're gonna and you're gonna want to skin puppies. Yeah, don't 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 uh, do don't, don't do that. Come on now. <laughs> Though something I found very interesting. So I briefly touched upon and, and about uh, like so they they for the animation real quick and this there's a connection. Trust mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. The animation. So what they started doing around this era or a little before that was that whenever there'd be a vehicle on on screen, in order to get like the perspectives correct, they would actually film. Um, kind of, uh, they would film footage of a vehicle driving, and then they mm-hmm. would basically rotoscope it. Oh, okay. Uh, so anim- draw and animate directly over the film footage. Exactly. To gotcha. Get, yeah. So that way they it, it maintained its perspectives correctly, and okay. they do that a lot in this movie. And that's something that they will continue to do. Like I said earlier, until I, it's I think it's the late '80s, early '90s, maybe it's the mid early to mid '90s when they started using CG to do some of those things that couldn't be done yeah. by yeah, hand. It was um, the when she was she crashed underneath the bridge and she's getting out of the snow that yep. definitely jumped out as like that's not drawn that's, that's not <laughs> drawn <laughs> not drawn freehand at least mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but then uh, but one of the other things that Disney has always has been doing I mean even way back into Snow White was that they would always film uh, <coughs> actors as reference models for the way that the character is supposed to move. Obviously yeah. like a lot of the dancing stuff. Oh, and, certainly. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've, we discussed about, but uh, they did for this movie, they, the, the actress they had hired to do Cruella DeVille. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of geeked out a little bit uh, okay. about because <laughs> it was, it was Mary, uh, Mary Wicks. Okay. Not who familiar. don't know the name. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie sister act? Yes, <laughs> or Sister Act Two. Okay, yeah. She is one of the older, the uh, one of the older uh, um, nuns. nuns. She's okay. um, Sister Mary. <laughs> oh, which one is she? She is Sister Mary. Crap! I'm sorry. I was gonna have this ready. That's right. and is she? Can... She's not the piano player, is she? She not the no de- not the okay. piano player. She is Sister Mary Lazarus. Oh yeah. So she is the older kind of just like she talks like this. It's all kind of just. Up in here, and she's the one oh. that doesn't want to do. You know, she's like, "Well, this is gonna get us so in trouble." She is she the tough one, like the little more tougher one. Not the, yeah, because if you look at the the main sisters from Sister Act, it's mm-hmm. obviously Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, and then it's the it's the quiet little <laughs> young meek one. Yeah, yeah, it's has a great the, voice. Yeah. Uh, the larger lady, um, who I can't remember her name. It's it's Luann from King of the Hill. Okay, yes, and then it's it's the older not Maggie. Who's, Who's not? Who's not Maggie Smith? Not Maggie Smith. The other, right? <laughs> I know exactly who you mean. Then, oh, but it's man. the other one. That's her, and she's she's been acting. I mean, she's been acting since the 1930s. She was in an Abbott and Costello wow. movie. Oh my gosh! Um, and really, she was the uh, she was the body um, reference for Krell Deville. That's amazing. <laughs> yep. And it's funny because I found a photograph online uh, from that from from what it must have been the 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 
reference video mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they kind of have her in a big coat and kind of she's holding a you know like a long stem uh cigarette wow. and it's it's crazy and I, if i can remember i will try to i'll try to post that on facebook uh if anything but it's you look at her and you're like yeah okay <laughs> does she I have black and that. does she have inexplicable black and white hair which i'm just assuming was a fashion choice so i don't uh... <laughs> not a Nothing else. She, she, they do have her in crazy made up hair and she is wearing like a fur coat and a black dress. And it's like, yep, that's, (laughs) I can see that. I can see that as Cruella DeVille, which is interesting to see stuff like this because it's going, well, that's kind of what the live action version. If you if you want to really think of it, this is what the live action version of 101 Dalmatians would have been in 1961. Right. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, good casting. I don't Mm -hmm. think she's as animated no pun yeah. intended, as <laughs> Corella in the movie is, but it's still, like, it's pretty close. It's, that's, a good, it's, that's, a, that's a reference point. Uh, yeah. And she, and Corella really is quite animated. For, for an ineffectual villain who has really low standards of, of, of what she's being so nefarious about, uh, <laughs> and she is one of the most memorable. Yeah. Um, I, she wouldn't stand a chance in our battle royale of magic users. She'd be out in a second, but <laughs> yeah, because she doesn't have any magic. Because I mean, no she magic, no magic in this car. movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's no no magic other than the the magic of Disney that brought this movie to life. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and the fact yeah. that Roger and Anita are completely okay with adopting eighty four more dogs. <laughs> You know, let's let's talk. Actually, let's talk about Roger and Anita. Let's talk about the human characters momentarily here, mm-hmm. um, because there's there's something. Ha- Think about when this movie came out. Okay, this movie came out post World War II. This was put into development after World War II. We we're in the '60s. We are out. We are enough away from of World War II that's that the class structure of the world was kind of changing. Now, this movie takes place in the United Kingdom, and the societal class structure was kind of upended after World War II, that the the middle class was being created Mm -hmm. in what was once like an oligarchy and a hierarchy of the rich people and the poor people, an an aristocracy, right? Okay. There were the aristocrats, aristocrats of- (laughs) That's a couple of movies from now, TZ. Of the pre-war era (laughs) that kind of fell to the wayside for the labor class and the middle class that Roger and, well, at least Roger represents. Yes, he's he's a struggling artist or whatnot, but- like Pongo says, there's no way he'll stop working before five o'clock. Like he's he's got the work ethic of of a blue collar middle class guy, right? And you you mentioned earlier that Anita and Cruella are classmates, right? Right. Oh, oh boy, I hope I'm close enough. I was just realizing I kind of was gesturing away from my microphone here. <laughs> um, I got sound, really quiet. I'm sure you but, sound fine over here. <laughs> the if they were classmates, right? And Corella obviously comes from some sort of wealth. Her family has a has a, a d- d- dilapidated mansion. Yeah, that means Anita, like class structures didn't mix when it came to boarding school. Like school class system was very clear throughout the fifties and sixties, and even to this day, in a lot of respects to boarding schools in in London and in mm-hmm. the United Kingdom, which means Anita married down. Right. She did not marry within her class. She decided to go with somebody who wasn't, you know, as rich, which means that she's got money. Yeah. Well, it may, maybe not because no one was at their wedding. 
Oh, that's a good point. So uh, that that could say that she disappointed her family in going and marrying down. Like Roger lives in a in a small flat. When they get married, they have a flat that, as Pongo says, or or maybe Roger says, is good enough for now. But they have this this idea of the musical payoff. The music. This this is this is the artist style you and I live, Jeff, and and maybe some <laughs> of our listeners live as well. Is that the starving artist lifestyle is is this this desire and passion to to somehow succeed enough with your your craft that you can survive off of it. Right. And and that's that's a gamble that Anita takes in Roger in marrying down. I I think there's that this is here. I don't think I'm digging deep on this. I think I'm just using the clues that are in the film to to discuss the human um class system that's being represented in a post World War II London. Right. No, and I think you're I think you're totally right and totally honest something because first off, there's nothing about Cruella that says that she runs some organization or some company that has made her very, very rich. Like, no, nah, she looks nothing. like she's just living off her family's money. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, she doesn't look like she's ever worked a day in her life or runs a business. <laughs> right. Um so that's a very good point that they're that she comes from money. Anita has to come from money. And that, oh man, that just puts like a really kind of a sad twist on Anita. Well, obviously it's no, for the better. No, Anita's happy, it, but kind of like a, a little bit of a sad twist on her backstory. The fact that, yeah, she found a guy that she loved and wanted to be with him. Her parents didn't approve. And it's like, well, all right, well, forget you then. I'm still going to go <laughs> be with the person I want to live with and love. And fine, I, we'll live in a crappy little hole as far as we concern and have a hundred dogs. The the thing is, is that her her gamble and trust and faith in Roger's success and and their living lower class or lower than her class to to succeed it pays off because it wasn't just enough that they got the puppies back it wasn't just enough that they defeated Cruella hey we've made more money than we could possibly dream of based on your song that's such a throwaway line yeah but it is the it is the the prize for having faith in in Roger's ability as in the merits of him as a musician, which is that's the dream because because Jeff, I, you may find this hard to believe. Huh? We don't live in a meritocracy. Do you know what a meritocracy is? What is a meritocracy, TC? It's it's the position in society based on your merits and abilities, at, at, like what you accomplish equals your place in society. So the more you accomplish and the better things you accomplish makes you a more respected individual. Unfortunately, that is not how the world works. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all, unfortunately. It'd make life a little better, wouldn't it? But in in this in this fantasy world of hundred one Dalmatians, it is how it works because the the merits of these good people pay off in the end. The song succeeds. The song succeeds, they're fine, they're happy and Yeah, and Cruella fails. And yeah. And she doesn't even die. That was the thing that actually kind of blew my mind a little bit. Cause so we're going to the end sequence, driving around, and like it's the whole car chase, and they keep kind of coming close to the edges of of these these road passes and curves. I'm like, oh, she's totally gonna <laughs> fling herself off the off the edge, and it's gonna she, you're just gonna see her like going off into a ravine or nope. something. That's it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, and it, and it started to happen. I'm like, oh, well, here it is. Oh, and no, nope, she just oh, car nope. explodes. <laughs> yeah, and it's just oh, it's just her wrecked car and the two henchmen, and they're telling her to shut up, and she's just. 
crying, basically. And, you idiots. Ah, shut up. <laughs> like, like in, in reality, it's like, well, okay, she's still going to be able to get to the house. She knows where the dogs are. Like, it's technically not done, but for the story, it's like, nope, they bested yeah. her. She's done. She's not mm-hmm. going to come after her anymore. <laughs> and it, it was kind of a breath of fresh air to go, oh, oh, they're not killing her off. This is, yeah. oh, it's not about, the bad guy is, quote unquote, defeated, mm-hmm. but not killed. It's not to the extremes that a lot of the Disney movies tend to go the to. More, well, the more fantastical to, or fan, fantasy-tistical, as you tried to say before. Thank you. <laughs> fantasy-tistical. Uh, that sounds like fanti- a medical disease. <laughs> oh, God. I have <laughs> yeah. some fan- Okay. Uh, you're right. It's, a, it, it's <laughs> as as much as this uh, is about talking dogs going on, right. on their little adventure and 100 puppies, or 99 puppies, It's it does, ha- it does ground itself into a little more of a reality. I mean- uh, like uh, Horse and Jasper to to mention them, they they are clearly Cockney lower class. They're working for the money that they need. I mean, the, the very first thing that the short fat one says, I can't remember which is which. If they're pinched one more time, they're gonna throw away the keys. And and the Jasper thinks the taller one was like, it's good money and we need it. <laughs> right. And what do they need it for? They need it for alcohol and food. Yeah, yeah. That's all the, that they're really doing the, with it. The essentials in this life. Yes, and television. Because <laughs> yeah. if there's anything this movie showed, boy, there's a lot of TV watching in this film. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the, it's the era that, the t- the television era, there was a TV in every house at this point. Yeah, this is and, the... and when you bringing up like it being that change in social status and you know hiring, mm-hmm. like all that, I'm like, oh yeah, you can easily tell. Because our last film, the last one that we watched uh, before this, with being Sleepy Beauty, obviously wasn't right. in a world, but Lady and the Tramp in 55, taking place in a Midwestern town, mm-hmm. though it did seem to take place a little ways before 1955. Yeah, it, it looks Prohibition era, maybe 20s or 30s. Right. Uh, it looked pre-war. It, it felt pre-war. So, And a lot of the other ones prior to that were all either like late 1800s or, or definitely not modern day. Unless so you look is, at the package films. Eh, I know. Hashtag package films. Oh my goodness, we made it like... TC, we made it... <laughs> like a movie without mentioning the package films <laughs> granted it was me normally that brings it up so i'm glad you brought it up for a change uh, but uh it's it's it was so weird i didn't realize that there wasn't televisions in any of these movies until this one until seeing it yeah. and seeing how often they watched television <laughs> that i went hey, oh yeah that's how you entertain the kids is you just stick them in front of the tv right? yeah you stick them in front of a TV, you make them watch a Lassie ripoff, and, uh, or a uh, What's My Line ripoff. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which so, no one today is going to get. Speaking of the class system, though, I, I think it's worth mentioning that that's just the humans, because the dogs don't have any sort of class system. Right. That every, every dog is willing to help every dog. Right. That, that's what the barking chain was all about, that they, they were able to, to just put the word out into the city. And, and that's a very optimistic view of, of souls. I, you can't say humans. You can't, obviously, dogs don't really have this nature about them. But I liked that everyone was just willing to help no matter right. what their class system was. Well, and there was that line because the, the Twilight Bark, that whole nightline thing, the night barking thing, mm-hmm. um, I believe it was Perdita that made a comment that that's just a gossip line. Gossip chain, yeah, yeah. Or gossip <laughs> chain. So it's like there is, there was a tiny bit of like human element of they're not going to help us. They just sit gossip. 
But mm-hmm. you're you're right. It they brought in the humanity of it of being like, well, no, but they're willing to help. They're willing yeah. to just forget that because like, oh no, we have to find these kids basically, yeah. and we're gonna help each other. It doesn't matter who's who. Uh, you know who you know what you could argue the different breeds of dogs are different races of dogs and different. You know you could argue that. So it's it's that we don't care about what type of dog we're talking to or who we're talking to. It's we're going to find these dogs. These puppies yeah, are missing. All, all across the United Kingdom, we're, we, we just need to save, we need to help these parents who've lost their children. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. It's, it, it's, it's very, a very interesting juxtaposition from how the humans are represented in, in their positions of, in the, in the city. And then how the dogs are just a, a, a unity, like the, they unified, they're a unified force. Um, and of course a cat and a horse, <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> there was so many, so many dogs for so long in the movie that when the cat showed up, it kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, well, that's right. There's cats in this world too, aren't there? Yeah. I, I forget this. <laughs> it, at least just the one Sergeant Tibbs. Actually, it's, and I think about the, the class system. I, I guess that there's, there's a very distinct class system in the Colonel. That's the dog. The, right. the horse is the captain and Sergeant Tibbs. Which is is that's military? Um, they were on. Were they on? I'm wondering what the hell. I'm going to Google it real quick. Um, uh, what, what 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 were your feelings about uh, that that trio? There, it was it was interesting because I again there there are an element of this film that I did not remember being a part of this movie. Uh, <laughs> I remember Pongo and and uh, Perdita, Perdita getting yeah. the dogs back, but I just I thought they found them. I didn't think there was somebody else. Mm-hmm. That trio was very interesting, and I liked that they were not just three more dogs. I right. liked that they were different. They were different animals, mm-hmm. and they had kind of obviously like they've been working together for a long time. I don't know what they do <laughs> when they're not saving puppies. Right, okay, I got it here. I got it here. So okay. the the sergeant major Witter, Withermarch was the the name above the farm uh, retired a retired sergeant major. So he clearly assigned the names to those animals that's that's my guess is that the this retired sergeant major post-war mm-hmm. retired to this farm and named his his dog colonel your dog you're in charge uh, the horse is the captain he's second in command and you have uh, the the enlisted man of sergeant uh, sergeant tibbs <laughs> who's <laughs> who really, probably a newcomer to the farm as well and... well he, he falls in line he he every time he wants to counterman like contradict his superior he salutes he said he makes suggestions he's a good foot soldier and he does all the heavy lifting he does all the work yeah. the colonel is kind of like puddles puddles 15 puddles sir it might maybe it's worth listening again just just double check okay exactly and that he still does like he he gives a command he he gives his opinion and then immediately he's like oh 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 right oh okay okay well we could do that like just immediately changes his opinion when somebody counteracts his 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 comment it was, it was nice. It was definitely. I was like, I that those trio was were, were a lot of fun to watch, mm-hmm. um, and were a nice, were was a, definitely a nice kind of break and a different change of pace in this film. Because yeah, like having, I said at the beginning, it could have very easily just been Pongo the entire time, or, and all or about the dog. Tibbs Tibbs could have been another dog, or yes, or, exactly. Yeah, it was yeah. nice to have different animals involved, even the cows. You know, which, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> when when they that. when they take him in, or the oh, what is that? The 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 ter- not a terrier. What was the one the, that looked like Lassie? The the Collie. 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 Yeah, yep. 
you know, like like he brought a couple food scraps for him, and he's like, it's not much, but it's something, and I'm gonna keep watch you sleep. It's okay. Like even the even those the the, the cows were a nice kind of like change of pace, and uh, I still unfortunately because it was it was three like older women animals behind like a fence. All I could think about was the three evil uh oh no from the elephants dumbo. from dumbo <laughs> i was like oh no what are the cows gonna do oh, are no, they gonna actually, be yeah, are they gonna like, be the b word are yeah, they gonna be three b words i don't i don't want them to be and uh <laughs> no then they were they were surprisingly nice i'm like oh i'm already jaded by the 17 movies we've watched <laughs> come on Dang we, we haven't hit the we haven't hit the 80s yet they the late 70s early 80s that's the dark period of i know of and the, i'm excited <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, yeah, you're right. That 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 section is cute. What? How do you feel in terms of we 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 often talk about should kids watch this? Is this a movie good for kids? Like, what's the what's your stance on that? So, how do you feel about about this for kids? You know, honestly, there's absolutely nothing in this that kids would shouldn't see or would be scared of. There's, I mm-hmm. mean. There, I think it's I think it's kind of a fun movie because it's a bunch of puppies and it's about you know there's a lot of funny moments to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a really nice happy ending. The while as we said while there are humans involved in the movie there and they are a little more fleshed out than Lady and the Tramp. The stuff that goes on with them and the, it, it's not important. The love story there isn't the important. It's all the animals and it's very kid friendly and stripped down. I mean. They Pongo gets uh, Roger and Anita together, and they're getting married immediately. The next scene, they're getting married. Like, well, they could have been months between then. And then. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But like, they didn't bother wasting that time. It was just no. Guess what? They like each other, and it's a very yeah. simple to understand, kid friendly like love story. Yeah, about yeah. finding somebody to be with, falling in love, having kids, and wanting to protect the kids. That's that's the story. It's a really simple, straightforward. You don't even have to explain. The only thing you might have to explain is what Cruella wants to do with the Dalmatians. Right, but even a, I can remember seeing this as a little kid and not even questioning it. It was just, oh, she kidnapped the puppies. It right, didn't. She, pre- she, it didn't process that I was that she wanted to make coats out of them. Right. At least until I was a little bit older, and even and then it was like <laughs> I already knew she was a bad guy anyway. Yeah. I don't think that this is the funniest movie, and I don't think that, and I do think there are a couple moments that might lull just a little bit for for kids tonally, but mm-hmm. the the dogs are on screen ninety nine percent of the time, and they're they're so interesting to look at. I feel like you really could hold a kid's attention with this. Right. I would say this. I, this kind of actually threw me for a loop. This is one of the longer films we've watched so far. Oh yeah, not, I guess not I didn't, the longest. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> it, it it clips along pretty nicely. I don't. I don't think there was ever a moment where I was kind of looking at my watch or uh, when I take notes. I try to not to look down too much, and uh, it, this held my attention rather rather thoroughly. How, how about yourself? Yeah, it kind of did the same for me. I was. I was just. I was. I was. I stopped taking notes after a while because I was just kind of watching the movie. And mm-hmm. that's a good sign. <laughs> that's a good sign. Yep. Because I'm just not bored looking for information online. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know if there's necessarily a lesson to be learned here because no. we've we've asked that of of some of these movies, and yeah. I think the fairy tales uh, allow them allow for more morality tales. So I don't I don't feel like there is a lesson to be had here, unless of course you want to look at the 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 unity of all the dogs to just be like hey little guy hey like telling a kid look they these people need help and people were willing to help them that's that's important right uh, 
having empathy. I think that maybe maybe there's that there. Maybe you could kind of attempt to have a conversation about that with a with a with a younger kid to talk about the empathy that uh, that all the dogs showed for these parents missing their kids. But besides that, I mean, it's not. And yeah, I I do agree, and I I will kind of refrain a little bit. I I said there was a lot of jokes. There's not a lot of jokes. I wasn't laughing my butt off the entire right, time. right, right. But it's it's not dour. I, I, exactly. I, it's probably one of the more upbeat of these films we've also <laughs> watched as well. Considering a bunch of dogs get kidnapped. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there there are some. I laughed out loud a couple of times. There's one in particular. It's when the little the barking chain begins, and there's that Great Dane, and mm-hmm. the little little like furry dog comes. I was yes. like, what is it? What is it? Tell me, tell me. All right, let's start. And he like vibrates. <laughs> yes, I will agree with that. I love that. There's some great physical humor in Roger, like when he's playing the piano and like banging on the floor. And and I, I, I mentioned the sound design too. I think the sound design is not obnoxious in its sound effects, but it lends to some good subtle humor just in the sound like the the way the the trumpet and the trombone and the the stomping of the feet and um e- even uh, uh jasper and horace when they're watching tv the way the the cat is like uh, one two three four five six oh well, what's uh, six, seven, seven. <laughs> trying to count up all the dogs to make yeah, sure yeah. to make sure there's 15 of them yes yeah, there's a lot of cl- it's very very clever i think that's what it is it's not like a, a raucous laughing comedy but right. it's got a lot of wit to it yep yep and i yeah. i enjoyed it i enjoyed it yeah. and well, i with saying that to you yeah <laughs> <laughs> i had to beat you to the punch uh, no i go ahead <laughs> out of the last handful of movies we've watched, where would we put, where would you put it on your list? This is a tough one. Again, if this is the first time you're listening or if you're if you're unfamiliar with what we're doing here, we are watching these movies in order, but we're grouping them in 10. So, the first 10 we watched, we ranked them 1 through 10. When we started again with our with 11 through now we're on 17. Yes. We we are we have a, a rank of 7 and where do I see that's why I wanted to ask you first because I I Typically, I try to decide whereabouts I'm going to put it. <laughs> I have a, I have a conversation with you that helps me kind of solidify my feelings about it, and then I determine as I'm. Um, <laughs> do you want me to go first? Well, do you do you know where you're going to put it? I, I know where I'm going to put it. Okay, let, please go first because I'm I'm teetering right now. I want to hear yours, and then I might piggyback on you. Because <laughs> <laughs> for those of you again who may not know, we do this often. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, where I want to put the movie before the podcast start changes by the time we've reached this spot in the episode. Because <laughs> TC makes really good points, or as we talk about it, I'm like, oh. Actually, yeah, I didn't realize really, it. Oh, I should have changed that. So, where I am going to put this, um, it was a, it was a little tough to think about, it. and actually, it stayed. I've been at the same number since the get go of this okay. episode. I'm putting it at number three. Number three. So underneath Cinderella underneath, and Lady and the Tramp. Exactly. I'm going to put it behind Lady and the Tramp, and here's the reason why. It's it's in my head. It is it is more enjoyable than Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the simplicity of the story. I like the characters. They're not deep characters. They don't have a ton of backstory and all this stuff. Uh, and yes, while the animation style isn't is definitely different than every other film on this list, uh, or sorry, on this that we've watched so far on our, our top seven right now, yeah. um, I it still doesn't have the just general from beginning to end enjoyment in my eyes as Cinderella and Lady and the Tramp did. All right. Um, all right. I, I, yeah. I, th- 
it's so close. It's we've said it before. It's hard to make these lists because sometimes the the one edges another one out just barely. Yes. But I'm I'm on the exact same page with you, and I'm go, I'm going to keep Lady and the Tramp my number one. I'm going to keep and your number one Cinderella. Mine's Lady and the Tramp right now. Yep. And I'm going to keep Cinderella at number two, and I I'm going to make 101 Dalmatians my number three as oh. well. <laughs> and the reason I'm keeping Lady and the Tramp at the top is from a technical level because the yes. the beauty of that animation is is just you cannot deny it. Exactly. Um, and the reason I'm keeping Cinderella at number two is because of the this, the pure classic classicness of that film, and it's it at this point the epitome of fairy tales is right. that Cinderella more more than Snow White's, which was the first, obviously, but and much more than Sleeping Beauty, which has all the faults in the world. <laughs> <laughs> which is so, yeah, funny because that's pretty much my reasonings for where for why they are where they're at on my list, except mine are just flip flopped. Flip flopped, yeah. <laughs> so so DC, there you go. Yeah, this yeah. is this means our lists are identical except for one and two, one and two. which are flipped. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we may agree on what ends up being number one because we still have three films left in this in this That's round true. of films, and it, it it'll be fine if we end up with different number ones. It just means different tournaments for later. <laughs> yeah, I know it's gonna it's gonna just add a little more complexity to the a little end. more work for us. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but of course we we are lis- we are interested to hear what you listeners have to say. I I we I put the word out that we're recording today. I saw that someone commented that oh, I don't really have any thoughts about One Hundred One Dalmatians, which is fine. But now that You've, now, if you may have gone back and rewatched it, maybe if you've just listening to us, we've reminded you of a few things. We're interested to hear what you have to say, and you can you can tweet at Jeff at Random Bell. You can tweet at me at TC's Big Head, uh, hashtag Top Shelf Pod, and you can also go to Facebook.com/slash Top Shelf Pod to comment on the thread specific to a film or the films we've seen in the past, and. Uh, we'd we'd love to hear your thoughts, and and we do we do try to engage, we do try to respond. I've been having some pretty fun conversations privately with some people who some listeners, so I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Jeff, you you say everything so well. It's so hard <laughs> to like piggyback off of any of that stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> well, well, then I'll ask you: Do um do you have any tropes for this episode? So I had a hard time. F- putting any together that just uh, didn't didn't seem to like fit anything that's happened and come before it like i said i got really excited when i thought cruella was going over the edge of the mountain <laughs> yeah. to die because i'm like oh at least oh, fall to, to death, death. fall yeah. to death <laughs> but it was like oh no 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 not at all actually yeah um i i didn't i personally did not come across any i couldn't think of any um because there, you know we had a horse in the movie but it wasn't the horse of our prince uh right. it wasn't like yeah. the you know anthropomorphic uh, side character we have talking animals but eh, you know it's hard it's yeah. not the same as like like the animals of a princess or something that's following <laughs> after him so i could the, not come up with any what did you were you able to find some while watching i, I meant i mentioned it earlier it's the recycling of footage this is okay. it's it's very economical uh, people criticize this sometimes it's it's such a weird non-filmmaker opinion to mm-hmm. be like oh how dare they reuse that oh, how lazy are they like come on movies are freaking expensive yeah. I, I remember um they reuse year- live action footage all the time yes yeah year, years ago uh, michael bay reused some footage from the island for a transformers film and i remember people being like 
ticked off about it. And all I could think was like, that's just smart. That's good filmmaking. That is, yeah. that's clever use of what you have. Uh, yeah. It's like, hell, oh, I, mean, I don't have to reuse, I don't have to go out and film that same, it's yeah. the same stuff, going to be the same stuff anyways, and we'll yeah. save a bunch of money on it. So Sometimes it's a battle with the, with a studio. That's yeah. the studio just won't. No, your budget is cut off. You you have hit your budget. You don't get to blow up another Klingon bird of prey. Use the one from uh, the from last one, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I knew where you were going with that reference. DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the recycling of the footage, and also to, for a Disney first, it would be the use of Xerox, the Xerox machine to create oh, the yes. cells to yes. to to. Get this movie done on a bit more of a, a tight budget than than what it had previously. So I do want to bring in one extra thing since this part of the show has kind of stretched and became more because originally it was just the whole Disney theories and that's kind of stretched into Disney theories and tropes. Yeah, and that stretched into Disney <laughs> theories, tropes, and first hidden Mickey's. Um, might be oh, kind of fun to do on occasion if I don't have anything else because I had no theories, no tropes, no firsts. I had nothing <laughs> for this particular movie. Okay. Um, the yeah. one hidden Mickey that I noticed was right off the bat, right during the opening credits before the actual title shows up. Mm-hmm. Um, the There's three ink splotches in the background, very large ink splotches in the background that form Mickey's outline. The Mickey head, okay. Yep. Cool. So I was yeah, like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. <laughs> eh, I'm, only, I'm not going to do those for every episode. That's only if it's like, guys, I got nothing. I got nothing else to talk about during this well, part. Here's I guess a with, Mickey, okay? <laughs> I, I suppose my deconstruction of the class system might be a theory. Like, I might, I suppose you could call that a fan theory. The, that I, I, that I feel like this movie is, is saying something about the, the uh, aristocracy versus meritocracy. Big words. Oh, man. <laughs> TC, those words are far too large. Sorry. For me. Okay. Yeah. I I am I am not. <laughs> I am not. And I guess, okay, so technically, technically, I guess if you want to do a theory, you argue that Lady and the Tramp and this all take place at the same time. Same universe, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Even though it is two different continents, because Lady and the Tramp was supposed to take place in a Midwestern town. Yeah, it felt very if not Midwestern, New England. Right. Yeah. So it's like, eh, really, it's probably not the same, but that's <laughs> You could argue that that is a that's a theory. So. That's, a, that's a thing. <laughs> well, hey, I actually have a comments, Ooh, uh, yes. a tweet from from a listener. Which thank you for listening. This is at Bullwinkle. <laughs> you always get the greatest names for your tweets. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but thank you for listening. Uh, and actually, this kind of goes. Uh, there was a comment made on the Facebook page I want to address. But what is your favorite song so far? From the library we've watched. So we've watched 17 films. And we mentioned earlier there's only two songs in 101 Dalmatians. So what, Jeff, is your favorite song so far? If you're having trouble, I I did write down a quick list of all the ones I could think of. (laughs) I was going to say I'm just scrolling back through all the movies trying to think of which ones I could think of. What's your list? Well, I I will say off the bat, um, though we criticize Peter Pan quite a bit, Mm -hmm. you You Can Fly is... A great song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can fly, you can fly. Think of a wonderful thing. Any happy like that song is classic Disney. It, that that is such a great song. Sure, it's undercut by what made the red man red, but let's not talk about that right now. <laughs> These are tiny <laughs> details we can push aside. And, and I, I don't remember if we commented on it or not, but I love. Um, I know you. 
I know you. I walked with you once upon a dream from yes. Sleeping Beauty. Yes. I freaking love that song. I that is a song that just comes to my head all the time. You know what? It, I think I think I would agree with that one. That's a brilliant piece of song. I was gonna go um, when you wish upon a star. Oh yeah, because that's yeah. just so traditional. Plus, I mean, crying out loud, it's the Disney credits or like theme, studio the theme logo song. theme song. <laughs> But it's it is it's there's a reason why because it's such a great piece of music. It's a great song. Yeah, it has a very good emotion to it, and I love just the I love the melody of it. I just oh, mm-hmm. I, I love that one. Yeah, I was I, I was trying to find something from Three Caballeros, but I could not tell you the names of the songs. And might <laughs> three even Three Caballeros, Three Gay Caballeros, because we like men. Yeah, that's exactly. That what was it a fan is. theory. Hold on, let's let me just pump the brakes here. Let's pump the brakes. <laughs> that is a callback. <laughs> To a fan theory. <laughs> I do not, that was not meant to be a disparaging remark. <laughs> we are just, we are, we are just breaking down all sorts of barriers, but not in a good way on this show. Um, oh man. And, and uh, we've just lost listeners. Let's, just, let's back up here. Aurora's voice. This is not even live. And Aurora. somehow we know we're losing hope. <laughs> no. Aurora's voice in I, uh, Once Upon a Dream. It's such a lovely, she is an amazing voice of the princesses. Oh, man, it's it's hard to pick her just from a, a singing standpoint. Her over Cinderella, because I, I do really like "Sing Sweet Nightingale." But I think Ooh. I got to give it to Aurora just in terms of my favorite princess song. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, that's a better answer than what I had. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, we got we got some other songs. There's like uh, "Hi Ho," "I Got No Strings." Um, uh, so this is love from Cinderella. Oh, the unbirthday song from Alice in Wonderland. God, oh. That's a that's a great that's a great song right there. That's a good point. Yeah, hmm. uh, bibbity boppity boo. Oh, a baby mine, which is such a beautifully sad song. <laughs> oh, from, uh, that's from Dumbo. That's from Dumbo. I was trying to block the sad ones <laughs> out of my head. <laughs> I, you know what? And though. The caricature caricatures are 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 bad. It's bad, Jeff. It's bad. I do like. I've seen an elephant fly. That's that is a cool song. <laughs> when when I see an elephant fly, I love the word play of all those puns. Like that's that's a good song. That's a good song. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> you had a much better answer to that question than I did. I had I I, I it's, picked. Well, I unfair. picked it backed off of you, sir. Yeah, uh, I unfair. Picked. I did have time to think about it since I saw the question before. <laughs> well, I, I want to quickly read uh, the Wyatt's comment quick on Facebook there. He posted it a couple hours before we recorded this episode. Um, uh, just to, It's more of a comment than a question because I've been trying to look up the answer for the last 20 minutes and I can't find it, so okay. we're just going to comment <laughs> on it. Uh, Wyatt said that... Uh, 101 Dalmatians, it's a movie that I don't love, but when I watch it, I'm always charmed and content watching it. Mm-hmm. I could, I can see that. I can kind of agree with that. It's not a movie that I'm absolutely in love with out of the ones that we watched, but it's still good and charming to watch, and it has a good story. Yeah. Um, his comment being that the only thing he's curious about is why Cruella de Vil has white and black hair. <laughs> I heard that there's an answer in the original book, but uh, oh, okay. I don't know for sure. I've been trying to find the answer. I cannot find it. I failed you all. Sure, surely so it, it just must be a, a style, a style. Like she just some thinks she's some sort of trendsetter right. for her for her furs and 
uh, you know, you know it, perhaps she didn't have black and white hair before. Perhaps she found out Anita's two Dalmatians were having babies, and she realized the new thing was gonna, that she was going to start the trend on was going to be Dalmatian furs, black and white. I'm going to dye my hair right now in preparation for it, because those puppies are going to be able to be skinned right now. Oh, they're hideous. <laughs> Where are the spots? I dyed my hair today for this. <laughs> she dyed her hair so she could <laughs> match the, the the clothing that she was going to yep, be making. There you go. There you go. That there you go. That's the like answer. That. that is the answer. It makes the most sense now, doesn't it? <laughs> well, You're as welcome. Most sense, as most sense as we could possibly make out of a cartoon character 45, 55 <laughs> years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, TC, was there anything else regarding 101 Dalmatians or any other comments this week before we start wrapping up the show? No, I think I think that does it. I'm, I'm happy to be back. I was worried that by taking a break, we were going to have a hard time kind of getting back into the groove. But uh, I like we, to think that yeah. the, the gods in charge of the podcasting were, were, were being a little kind to us today by allowing <laughs> our audio not to be delayed. Yeah. Or just <laughs> working the entire time and being like, no, no, you guys had a break. Let's make this easy. Now, next week, on the other hand, yes. it's just going to well, suck. Uh, no, it w- I hope not because Jeff. <gasps> Wait, what? N- next week. TC? I will be in town. <gasps> you mean be, we're going to be totally in the same room yeah. like we always are every week? Uh, quick, quick, give me a high five. High five. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I will be traveling next weekend. Uh, next, I'm leaving tomorrow, as a matter of fact, to, oh, and I will be in town. So if, if you're up for it, I could oh. come and we could actually record live. It's going to change our dynamics so much because we'll be able to see we'll be able to look each other in the eye. I, I may have to record in the other room. <laughs> Just so we can keep up this quality of the episode. Being like, well, TC's currently in my bedroom. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm in my living room recording, and uh, TC, I can hear you. I can hear you, TC. Well, uh, That'll well, be exciting. I, I am excited. I am also excited because I could, I could potentially watch the movie with you before yes. we record. And what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching the 1963 animated film, The Sword in the Stone. Yes. I am I am going in with preconceived notions. I, I love this movie, and I don't think you've seen it. I have never seen this movie. Oh, man. I'm, I, I am, it's Excalibur, right? Isn't that... It's, Is it Excalibur it's the, or It's the Once and Future King. It's this. It's the C.S. Lewis. No, that's not it. Who's the writer T. H. of White. it? T.H. White. I knew it was a letter, letter name. <laughs> <laughs> it a is letter, the, letter name. <laughs> it's the King Arthur story. It's Sword that's in the right. Stone. Yeah. So that's I'm. Right. I'm very excited for this one because I'm, I, I'm excited <laughs> for you. I'm excited for you because. It's been a while since I've seen it. I have very fond memories of it, and I'm interested to see what my feelings are about it now but i'm i'm more interested to hear what you have to say about it well i'm very excited to watch it next week i'm extra excited if we can watch it together that'll be fantastic and record together which would be even better um (laughs) so yeah everybody i guess with with, if there's nothing else uh tc you already said where people can find us correctly yes you can uh, on on the twitters you can twitter paid at jeff at random bell you can twitter paid at me at tc's big head uh put the hashtag top shelf pod uh for for any tweets you send at us or even at Lindsay and colin for for their show because they are still watching the oscar films yes they are uh so we can we can find the comments um if you and i'm glad everybody was uh was that you know because they they definitely wanted to make sure that while we were off that there was they were constantly doing episodes 
so that we kept everybody listening to something for mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. And uh, so, yeah. I know they're having fun and definitely keep listening to them as well. So thank thank you everyone for your comments, for listenings, and for for just being along on this fun ride for us. So uh, it's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, Stitcher. I don't know. Stitcher, thank you. Yes. Um. <laughs> That's the one no one really knows about, and I just keep posting. I'm like, no, guys, Stitcher, we're on that Stitcher. one too. Stitcher, it's a thing. It's, it's a, a thing. thing. Trust I'm me, I'm going to make thing. it a thing. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're listening to this at www.ghosthat.net, check out all the cool content that is available on there. And Indeed. that's about does it. Fantastic. Jeff. Well, We did it, Jeff. We did it, TC, after a mall. This is so exciting. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> awesome. So glad to be back. All right. Well, then, until next week, TC, what's our sign-off? This is a sign-off. Fantastic. Everybody, <laughs> have a great week. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Cruella de Vil, Cruella de Vil. Yeah, so she's the she's the sexiest. Uh, um, no, yeah. actually, no. I'm, I'm jokingly saying Cruella, but, but actually, Anita is very cute. <laughs> she if, is cute. Anita is is. If I were animated or she were real, I she'd be out of my league. <laughs> <laughs>